Welcome to WNXS News, your nexus for magic news. I'm Janky. And I'm Kit Harding. Thank you for joining us. Our top story. Magic players are no strangers to surprise announcements. Usually preceded by announcements for those announcements. But new format creation is a surprise to everyone. In the December 2nd weekly MTG stream, an arena-only format titled Alchemy was announced, scheduled to begin on December 9th, the day before this episode airs. Magic's taking up turning lead into gold? Cardboard, maybe? They don't need a new format for that. It- electrons, then? All matter contains electrons, the fundamental building block of the atom. This is Magic the Gathering, not Science the Reasoning. Alchemy is a format that uses the standard card pool, but with a twist. Some of the cards will contain errata in order to rebalance them, as well as incorporating new, digital-only cards. The format will have its own version of booster packs to contain both new cards and the digital-only cards. Questions have already been raised about the format, and Wizards has done their best to answer what they can so far. There will be visible differences between the rebalanced versions of cards and the original versions. For example, the text line with the card name will have the arena font A in it, and that A will also be in the stamp portion on the card bottom. Well, that and the actual rules text change... Well, yes, but since the set symbols will also be there, if someone opens a copy of a card they don't know, the arena symbols will help a lot for visual understanding. That's fair. Another concern has been the possible need to collect the same cards twice. After all, the original form of a rebalanced card wouldn't work in a format that specifically uses the rebalanced version. Well, gentle listeners, have no fear! If you already have the original version, you will also have the version with errata automatically in your collection. Does this also apply when opening future copies of the cards in booster packs? As a matter of fact, it does! Anytime one version of the affected cards is open, players will automatically have the other version as well. Fairly handy answer to the sometimes tricky arena economy. In addition, as a free gift... Players will be given three alchemy boosters, six individual rare cards, and one mythic rare from the set, simply for logging in after the format is uploaded. New duplicate protection rules will also apply to the alchemy boosters. When opening those packs, the new-to-digital cards will take priority, and once playsets are collected of the new alchemy cards from the set, you'll collect a card of the same rarity from the parallel standard set. So if the full quantity from this first set is collected, a same rarity card from Crimson Vow will be opened instead? Exactly. Boosters will cost the same as standard set boosters, which is 1,000 gold per pack, or a bundle of 15 packs for 3,000 gems. But still more questions persist, such as, how often will new alchemy sets be released? The new alchemy versions of sets will release a handful of weeks after the standard version, so for Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, we should expect the alchemy set sometime in March. There is no specific frequency listed for how often we should expect adjustments to cards for alchemy, but current information from the announcement article suggests it will be on an as-needed basis. 
The exact criteria for what those needs are is not yet expressed, but we are attempting to reach out to Wizards for more information. We'll keep you updated on that criteria as we learn more, but in the meantime, here are some of the newly adjusted cards. First up are two cards we've reported as the Boogie Folk of Standard. Alrun's Epiphany and Asika's Chariot. Epiphany's foretell cost is now 7 instead of 6 in alchemy, and the bird tokens it generates only appear if it was foretold. Additionally, the chariot now only makes one cat token instead of two, but its crew cost is also reduced to two instead of four. Another prominent creature, Goldspan Dragon, now only creates its treasure tokens on attack instead of when it's targeted with spells also. But rebalancing doesn't just mean nerfing cards. Since when? Since the Mana Vortex started occasionally spitting things back out, apparently. Ah, hence the name Alchemy. Exactly. They found a way to make use of the Mana Vortex so that it changes cards rather than consuming them entirely. It must combine with the electricity for that, since that doesn't happen in cardboard. Or it's just easier to do that digitally in general. Unless you have Companion. And it's also possible that they've watched a few too many Hearthstone streams. A lot of people saying that these days. Mm. Of course, a lot of people have been saying that for years. And as we all know, if you say it enough times, it becomes true. I didn't take you for a believer in sympathetic magic. <sighs> so let's look at the enhanced cards. Cosmos Elixir now has an additional Scry 1 trigger to go with its Gain 2 life ability. Demi Lich will be a 4-4 instead of a 4-3. Both Wizard Class and Druid Class will have a cost reduction to activate their level 3 abilities, and Phylath, World Sculpture, will give Trample to the plants to which it gives counters. Alchemy isn't all about rebalancing, so let's slide over to Diz to hear about the new digital-only cards. Diz? Thank you, Jake. And we see a lot of return keywords, like Conjure and Perpetually. These show up in all forms, starting with the enchantment Sanguine Brushstroke, which gives its caster a blood token and conjures a blood artist. Predatory Sludge is a 3-3 ooze with Death Touch that uses its opponents permanently to conjure even more copies of itself. And Absorb Energy is a 3-mana counterspell that states cards in your hand that share a card type with a targeted spell perpetually gain. This spell costs one less to cast. That seems like a powerful use of perpetually. That's an understatement. Much like the Davriel Planeswalker card from Historic Horizons, alchemy cards can feature their own spellbook. Numerous cards like Arm Scavenger, Cursebound Witch, Ominous Traveler, and Ishkana Broodmother all have an ability allowing their controller to draft a card from their spellbook. Each of those spellbooks will have 15 cards, hence the draft function. Another powerhouse seems to be Gitrog, Horror of Java. This card gives its controller the ability to seek a land at the beginning of each combat as long as an opponent sacrifices a creature to tap Gitrog. Since it's a 6-6 with Menace for only 4 mana, it feels like that will happen a lot. Lands entering under its player's control perpetually gain pay green, black, tap, and sacrifice this land, draw a card. So extra use of those lands is handy. Or you could say it's landy. Well, that's not how I expected to see a new version of Ishkana or the Gitrog monster, but at least we know they're still alive. 
Is alive really the correct term for the Gitfrog? It is not undead, but it still walks around, therefore it's alive. Are those the only two states of being alive and undead? Getting away from the philosophy, we have two more returning legends, one from Innistrad's past and one from Magic Over the Years. Everyone's favorite dapper devil is back as Tybalt Wicked Tormentor. Equipped with his own spellbook, he can help give card advantage and ramp with his first ability, deal some damage with his second ability, and create a hellish host of devil tokens with his final one. Garrick, Wrath of the Wilds, comes in heavy. Using his first ability to perpetually make a creature in your hand both stronger and cheaper is a great start, and getting a spell from a spellbook using a second ability is nothing to scoff at either. His final ability is reminiscent of some of his incarnations in days past, as it's functionally an overrun. That's all we have for now. Kit? Thank you, Diz. We'll take a quick break, and when we return... We have a new look at the upcoming Unfinity set, and Isa will be around to tell us about the Innistrad Championship. Hey there, all you cool citizens of Innistrad. Times are hard right now, with the Eternal Night only just ending, and the permafrost finally thawing. Maybe you need something to chill your vibe instead of your hide. Well, Davriel Kane has the offer of a lifetime for you. Get down with the chill and contract the relaxation of your dreams with his latest jazz solo album. With a sound that reaches across the stars and soothes the moon itself, there's no better way to pass the now-shortening nights with those you love. If you want a preview of this album, the man with the plan of law will be live in person at the Overgrown Farmland as part of the region's restoration project this fortnight. Oh yeah. Then over to the Rockfall Vale for a more intimate experience with his fans. Come on by and let the music of the space between the stars calm you down with the jazz machine. Welcome back! On November 29th, Mark Rosewater brought us a new batch of information all about the upcoming Unfinity set. More like funfinity, am I right? A really puns. I mean, I can't help it; they just come naturally. I even have a tonfinity. Right, this is you. So you're saying that I've onefinity this contest? Please stop. This hurts. Fine, fine. I'm donefinity. Ah, yes. That classic form of being done that means continuing to do it, usually practiced by toddlers. I promise I'm actually done this time. Thank you. The unsets have historically changed the way we view possible magic sets, both mechanically and visually. This set has a visual shift unlike any other unsets thus far. No more silver border. Instead... 
cards that would be in line with the silver border design philosophy will now have an acorn stamp on the bottom, similar to the oval stamps on normal magic cards and the triangle stamps of Universes Beyond cards. And the mechanical difference for this unset is more of a surprise than usual, as Eternal Formats will be able to use some of the cards legally. Saw in Half and The Space Family Goblinson are the two examples we've gotten so far. Incidentally, The Space Family Goblinson has to be in the conversation for best magic card name ever. I understood that reference! There will, of course, be a new art treatment as well. This applies to the 30 legendary creatures of the set, as well as the two planeswalkers that we are expecting. This will be a retro pop art treatment, each of which will be based upon the original artwork for these cards. But wait! There's more! You've turned into an infomercial host. How else are we supposed to get sponsors? The 10 shock lands will all be reappearing with borderless new art. They will be appearing once every 24 draft boosters, as well as 1 in 24 of each land slot in the collector boosters. All in all, this seems like a phenomenal set for players who just enjoy fun with magic. Our next story. The Innistrad Championship, hosted December 3rd through 5th, had players running the historic gauntlet. ISO, who came out on top? Well, Jank, after two days of heated competition, day three saw a lot of familiar faces and some less familiar ones. Christian Hauk, Yo Akaike, Zachary Kioni, Simon Gordson, Yuki Ichikawa, Yuta Takahashi, Taro Saito, and Riku Kumagai made up the top eight. In a startling twist, world champion Yuta Takahashi was beaten in the first run of the upper and lower brackets. Meanwhile, Simon Gortzen cruised through to a spot in the finals from the top bracket, only dropping two out of the eight games he played to that point. His performance is a stellar view of why Is It Phoenix is still to be feared, but he was not our winner. Yuki Ichikawa staged a comeback from round two of the lower bracket, pushing through to the final round and eventually claiming the title of Innistrad champion. Using his Golgari food deck, he took down Simon with a final 2-1 match record. After that tournament, players should be on the lookout for a qualifier weekend December 18th to 19th. Jank? Thank you, ISO. It's time for another break, and when we come back, we step into the brewery for another news bruise. These streets are mean and times are lean. We've seen a lot of crazy things these last few years here on the Estrade. Demons bigger than usual, angels going crazy, tentacles coming out of Steve's face, and now this weird darkness. One thing that's never changed all these years, when something's screwy, you gotta get to the bottom of it. I mean, you gotta if you don't want to die. No one's better at getting to the bottom of a mystery than Eloise. She helped track down Mac the Dipper. She was able to figure out what in Avison's name was going on with the Gift Frog. And she was even able to find Steve a barber to trim his face tentacles. If there's investigating to be done, Eloise is who you need. Find her in downtown Nefalia. It's, it's not like there's not much left. You'll find her quick. 
Welcome back. And on this edition of the News Brews, I am joined by Dualcast Gaming. Uh, Dualcast, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Um, so, well, we're happy to have you. Uh, so we'll jump right on into it. Uh, tell us about this first commander deck you've brought with you today. Uh, yeah, so I based this off of um, a treasure deck that I saw online. So for people that know the commander, CAG and all that, um, Shivam, uh, part of that, has a Mardu treasure deck. Uh, and that's how mine started, uh, was Akiri, Lineslinger, and Armix. Uh, I had blue to it, so now it's Akiri, Lineslinger, and Silas Wren. Uh, yeah, I'm not trying to be mean with the blue or anything with control. I only have one counterspell in the whole deck. Um, but, you know, <laughs> with artifacts, you just get a whole lot more access to stuff with blue. Right. Um, it, it, it's just so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what is what are the meat and potatoes for your deck? What's the what really gets you where you want to go? Uh, so, it just makes a lot of treasures. Obviously, from the that short description there. So, I have stuff like um, Prosper and Grim Hireling, uh, Captain Landry Storm, Brass's Bounty, Galzef. Just all sorts of ways to just try to get as many treasures on the board because that's okay. going to uh, enable all those artifact synergies, such as a Kiri. Um, right. So a Kiri in the command zone is just a nice little two-drop that I can start putting on the board and uh, applying pressure. Uh, it's kind of my, my mean little backup way to win, is just attack with a big 21-hour Kiri. Uh, that, that would do the, it, the, yeah. the fun way to win is within with, like, Revel and Riches. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Revel and Riches is the fun way to win with treasures, obviously. Of course, of course. Like, yeah, if you if you get the Revel and Riches and it manages to stay out and you have all those treasures, that's a, that's a fun way to win. No one's mad about that. When you hit someone with an Akiri with a Lopsid and Warhammer, people are less happy. Yeah, true. The the Revel and Riches is like an achievement unlocked victory. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we get we get the key yeah. So that's that's the, the main game, game plan. Is uh, right. Sorry, I have a delay on my internet, so it's not. I'm not trying to interrupt. No, you're good. Um, so we've got the key plan. We gotta get the treasures out, and we either want the revel and riches, or we want to smack him in the face with an Akiri. Both work. Both are great. What are some of the veggies or the support cards that just like kind of push you down the road? What What are the steps you take to get there? Yeah. So there's um, there's a lot of fun stuff here. So for example, the ramp package that I have in here. There's you know the usual souling and signets, uh, but then I also have. Uh, Bucknerd's Everfull Purse. So, for those who don't know, it's a little two-mana artifact. You pay one and tap it, and you roll a d4, and make that many treasure tokens. So, occasionally I get lucky, and I manage to roll a four, and all of a sudden I have four treasures, and I'm going to just go way ahead. Um, otherwise, I'll make the treasures, and you know, even if I make one treasure, that's still an extra artifact on board, and right. it helps with that count. It helps me uh, just color fixing as well. So it lets me, all the treasures let me run a little bit less artifact uh, uh, mana rocks than it would otherwise. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of uh, like card draw, the the fun thing to do is play Shimmer Dragon. So Shimmer Dragon lets me tap two untapped artifacts to draw a card. 
and when I have a brass's bounty and just make you know seven treasures all of a sudden, that's a lot of cards in hand. Yeah. Uh, the the mana base even I'm running the artifact lands from Mon Horizons too. So those ones are great because they're indestructible and they're tapped, but they tap for two colors. So that means I get to run uh, six of those plus the original four uh, Mirrodin artifact lands. So even in my uh, land package, I have just a ton of artifacts. All righty. So a lot of like little steps that help kind of support each other and some redundancy, which is always good. So what you said, this was based on a deck by uh, Shivam from the CAG. What is your, what is your personal spice or sweetness that you've done it to kind of twist it to make it your own or your pet card that you just really like love to play? Like you'll hold off the win to cast this spell. Yeah. So there's, uh, unfortunately, the ones that I uh, that I quote hold off on the win for are win conditions. <laughs> so I have time sieve. Time sieve is one of them where it's a uh, yeah. So if anyone doesn't know, it's a blue and a black for an artifact. You tap it and sack five artifacts and take an extra turn. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, it's not infinite turns, but it's as many turns as I want. Right. Which is, you know, it's. I guess other people don't like it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you mean people don't enjoy you taking twelve turns in a row? I find that very hard to believe. Um, my favorite thing, though, is uh, it's a nice little combo. It's, there's a card called Masterful Replication. It's just this cheap little twenty-five cent six-drop bulk rare. Um, it's an instant that its first option is making two, three, three golems. But its second option is choose target artifact you control. Each other artifact you control becomes a copy of that artifact until end of turn. Uh-huh. So the big game plan there is I get Academy Manufacturer out. And Academy Manufacturer says specifically... If you would make a clue, food, or treasure token, instead creates one of each. So, these, I, I came up with the math to figure out how to do this because <laughs> when this happens, you really need to know the math. Um, if I have, say, 12 artifacts aside from the manufacturer, then the next time I make a token that turn, I make uh, 3 to the power of 11 artifacts. <laughs> <laughs> or well through the power of 11 treasures and then also that many foods and clues oh my gosh <laughs> math not just for blockers anymore yeah so that's where the time seed comes in <laughs> that almost feels infinite when you say it like that but I, I get why it's not yeah technically not <laughs> it's just an arbitrarily large number is all that's whew, that's a lot going on um and you brought a second deck to talk about as well correct uh i did so this one is, i actually just started building it it's 
still missing a couple things. Um, okay. It's it's gonna be my. I don't like the table deck. <laughs> I either really don't like the people playing there, or I'm best friends with everyone and they'll forgive me. Um, As opposed to I hate your deck, it's I hate you. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's it's more or less that. So, I'm using Toxroll the Corrosive for this one. Uh, he's the new one from, from uh, Crimson Bell. And basically, he says everyone's creatures are going to die very quickly. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's a big seven drop commander. He's in, he's mono black, but he's a blue black activate ability. So I was looking through seeing what the best options were. Um, his ability puts sludge token, uh, sludge counters on each creature you don't control at every instant. So what synergizes well with that is playing lots of proliferate cards. And sure. in fact, pairs really well with proliferate. So, in addition oh, no. to not <laughs> letting no one that, uh, yeah, no one gets creatures, and I'm also playing every infect card in blue black. A, a poison to your social group in more ways than one. Yeah, yeah, no, it's. Uh, <laughs> I, I decided I'm going to just lean in. I have my fun treasure deck, you know. I'm. Uh, I'm actually removing some removal pieces and some of the less fun stuff because uh, I want it to just be my fun social. Hey, I want to play a cool deck, uh, but I also have to keep this on the back burner so that uh, if anyone comes there with their their big pump pump stompy deck and be like, okay, well, oh, yeah. I guess you're dying on turn four. <laughs> the real cool thing about it is uh, all of well, not all, but most of the creatures from Mirrodin got a big errata where they became Phyrexians. So <laughs> now it's technically a tribal deck as well. <laughs> Phyrexian tribal, all will be one. <laughs> yeah, so I have uh, like Patriarchs bidding in here. So I can just revive all of those. I have um, Pyre of Heroes. So I can basically... Um, you know, just cheat another creature out of my deck for very little cost. Hmm. Yeah, nice fun, not at all offensive gameplay. Nope, completely get that. Yeah, no, no, not not at all like oppressive or overbearing or any such nonsense like that. Um, where no, no. where would you consider where would you consider the if there is anything that you would call spicy or super sweet for it, what what would you consider that for this deck? Oh. Yeah, that would probably be Ludovic, Necrogenius. So he's from Midnight uh, Hunt. I, I keep right. getting confused between the vampire and werewolf set. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he's he's really good just because his activate ability um, will let him transform into a four four copy of a creature in my graveyard. So I can, uh, you know, I could I can exile a blighted agent, and then all of a sudden I have a four four unblockable insect, um, and he puts plus one counters on himself. So I could just make him a ten ten, 
just all out of nowhere have a 10-10 in fact unblockable. <laughs> Goodness. That's, yeah, 10-10 unblockable with infect. I, that seems pretty solid, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's about as spicy as it gets. All right, um, that just about wraps it up for us. So uh, why don't you tell our listeners where you can be found online? Yeah, so I can actually be found um, on Twitter at Castool. Uh, I can also be found on Alter Sleeves, where I actually have some uh, Alter Sleeves for the Infect deck, of all things. <laughs> well, all right. Thank you again so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Dualcast decklist will be in the show notes. That's all this edition. We'll see you next time. Same time, new news.